Welcome to The Creative Switch, the podcast inspiring the sensibly successful to switch on their unexpressed creativity for a more fulfilled life. In today's episode, I'm chatting to fellow podcaster and host of Creativity Found, Claire Waite-Brown. Her entrepreneurial spirit has brought her from a degree in dance to a career as a non-fiction editor to podcasting. But what are the origins of her love for performance? And how did she end up becoming an accidental champion of creativity after a tough period in her life? Stay tuned to find out. And if you're looking to turn your creative inspiration into action, don't forget to listen right to the end of the episode and catch up with my creative adventures. I share the challenges I encounter and how acting on the nuggets I've learnt from my guests and applying those learnings is helping me to move forward in my own creative projects. Are you unsure which direction to take your creativity? I'll share some wonderful advice from Tessa Richter on how to decide. Before we get to that, do remember to head to my website, nikkivalance.com, and sign up to join the free Creative Switch community and get involved in the creative conversation. You can connect with like-minded creatives, find a safe space to share your challenges, support each other, and maybe even collaborate to create something new together. First, it's time for some creative news in The Edge. So what's going on in the podcasting world? If you're a fan of podcasts, which of course I must assume you are, as you were listening now, you might have noticed some of the trends going on across the sector. A Forbes article at the beginning of last year encouraged businesses to ride the podcasting growth wave, which is tapping into the way in which we as humans respond to authentic audio and video content. According to Reuters, its popularity is something the social media platforms have been exploiting too, with algorithms favouring audio and video over text and static images. For 2024, various outlets agree that we will see trends towards more live and interactive content, with even more emphasis on video content. And unsurprisingly, a big technological shift is taking place in podcast production and monetization with the impact of AI. Yes, I and many other podcasters are using AI tools to help speed up our production processes and start to see a way of building a self-funded show. If you're interested in learning more, I've included a link to Podcast Today, where Audio Train UK are running a series of webinars on the impact of AI on the audio landscape starting later this month. And a good way to find which shows are in demand and breaking new ground in the UK is to follow the British Podcast Awards. Last year's winners are listed and entries for this year's awards open later this month. It's crazy to think that I didn't even have a podcast this time last year. I'm looking forward to checking out the categories and tipping my hat in the ring. Head to the bottom of the show notes where all the links I've mentioned are listed under The Edge. Are you interested in finding new shows to learn about your creative field? Have you found some already to recommend to your fellow creatives? Do let me know either in the Creative Switch community or on Instagram at Nikki underscore Valance. 
and listen to my creative conversation with one of the smiliest people I've met and champion of creativity for adults with our own show, podcaster, Claire Waite-Brown. Welcome, Claire, to The Creative Switch. It's so lovely to have you here. Oh, thank you very much for having me. We have a lot in common and I have lots and lots of things I want to ask you. But before we do that, can I just ask you to introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. So my name's Claire Waite-Brown. I am host of the Creativity Found podcast and Also, in conjunction with that, I started the Creativity Found website, and both of those elements are about helping adults to get creative. So in the podcast, I speak with guests who have found or refound their creativity as adults. So we talk about their childhood experiences, the creative activity they love now, and then the kind of barriers in between the two that meant they stopped doing that for a while. And then, as I said, as a kind of follow-on from that, listeners inspired by the podcast can head on over to creativityfound.co.uk and actually find creative activities to try for themselves, workshops, online courses, kits, things like that. And also that helps me to connect with other sole traders who want to teach their art and craft, maybe would like to spend more time doing the arting and crafting and less time doing all the business side. So being a member at Creativity Found is a kind of supportive promotional networking membership for those artists and crafters. I also teach a dance fitness class. I edit illustrated nonfiction books and I have a husband and a late teenager, early 20 something, both at home. Back from university. and oh, Yes. So a bit like being back in lockdown then, with everybody around all the time. Yeah. Excellent. Wow. That's lots of hats, as they say. We're going to have to break that down. That's incredible because obviously you're bridging that gap for people who have that creative need but don't quite know what to do with it. And we know a lot of people sit on it for quite a while before they do anything about it. So can you tell me what creativity actually means to you? Well. I'm a little bit of my own creativity found story. I've realized through doing this, a lot of guests will say I never considered myself to be creative. And in a way, I kind of still don't. And I'm not quite sure how I've become this champion of creativity. I love doing it. Absolutely brilliant. So, you know, as I said, I teach dance fitness class now. I've always loved dance, absolutely loved dance. And I think for me, What I've learned over the years of trying new things is that your creativity is the problem solving and also the ideation. So I very often have come up with an idea and I might look around and see, well, nobody else is doing that. So, oh, okay, I'll do it. For a while, I ran drama and singing classes for adults, which is where Creativity Found came from originally because it was something that I wanted to do. I couldn't see it being done where you didn't have to learn lines or actually put on a show so it's creatively thinking about okay well how can we make something happen or how can we make something become a product for example this is what's in my head now how do I get it out whether I get it out on paper or in clay or in a song and dance so it's that kind of mix of the problem solving and coming up with the solution and the ways of thinking around that solution. Because 
with the podcast as much as anything, I start with one aim or idea and it usually goes off somewhere else of its own accord. And it's that adaptability, I think, as well, Mm. of being able to go with it. So you might think I'm going to paint a landscape and then what comes out is something completely different. Mm. Did you love doing it? Does it look cool? Do you love it? Then fine. What your aim was doesn't have to be what the result is if the result is still fabulous for you. Mm. Yeah, so that it's very broad. People often do say that to me. They say, oh, I'm, I'm not creative. But actually what I love about exploring this topic with people is I am finding how varied the response to that question is. And it's in everything. It's in maths. It's in computer science. It, and it is very much that using your knowledge and experience and coming up with a solution to something and making something new from something that was there before, but it's novel because it's actually maybe combining two things or, as you said, using your skills and experience to find an answer. I think when you're young, you're encouraged to look at what you're going to do when you grow up. So it's like whatever you're doing now has to lead to something, which is where I think the idea that creativity is a school subject, like it has to be art or it has to be woodwork or something it often gets put in that box doesn't it oh I'm not creative because I can't draw I'm not particularly a fan of my own drawing I wouldn't say I can't draw because you shouldn't be saying such negative things but you know (laughs) drawing isn't my thing but there are lots of other ways you can show your creativity and that's what maybe as we're older it's easier for us to see that certainly with a lot of my guests as I said a lot of my guests have said didn't realize I was creative. And now I realize, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's joining up those dots. They were always there, but I think you sometimes need a bit of time to reflect back and see the pattern that has led you to where you are to realize you are creative. So you did say that there was a precursor that led to Creativity Found and then the obvious move to turning that into the membership. But go back a bit and talk to me about, I guess what I might ask you, is your switching moment. When did you switch into recognizing that this was something that you wanted and needed to explore? Well, I don't think there was one switching moment, more of a kind of, you know, rolling journey that you don't actually realize is happening until you look back at it. So I will start by saying, I said at the beginning, I love dance and I did go to university and I did a degree it's called dance and related arts and that was the oh what's it called when you're pleasing one person and pleasing a compromise that that was the compromise with my parents because I was bright enough to go to uni but really I would have loved to have gone to stage school and done jazz hands so the compromise was that I went and did a degree in dance I didn't continue with dance immediately after we can come back to that later so That kind of performance has always been inside of me. But I spent, after uni, I spent a lot of time going into publishing. So initially, I would have liked to have gone into literature, high fiction type stuff. But actually, having gone into what I did end up going into, which is illustrated nonfiction, is much more creative. And again, I wasn't kind of seeing that. I wasn't realizing that. It's not just a matter of reading the words and taking out typos and making the grammar correct. There's so much more to it with the whole project. And you're really involved with the photos and the design and the consistency. And the reader needs to be able to pick up this book and learn to do something. And 
that takes a lot of background work from the editors and the designers to make that all come together. So I was doing that. Then I heard my children, we moved here to where we live in Oxfordshire. I was seeing a lot of people generally when my daughter was younger because we were going to baby groups because I was a freelance worker, so I could go to baby groups and things like that. I was getting some social interaction with other parents and whatnot, which comes up later for a realisation for me as well. And then in this village, there's lots of lovely people. And we were in the pub one day and somebody said, how can we use the village hall more? And I jokingly said, we can put on a pantone. Next day, I'm thinking, hmm, we could actually do this. So here we go. This is not the first example of me having an idea and going with it. So for nearly 10 years, my husband and I would put on a panto with people from this village. And what I learned from that was how much fun you can have and how much closer you can get to people if you make a fool of yourself in front of them. Once you've got past that bit of like, oh, this is this is embarrassing. Oh, now I've done it. Oh, now we just go over the top and we, we don't worry about making fools of ourselves and we're all in it together. So that was another kind of social learning I got from doing the panto. Really, really made good friends with people in the village that I wouldn't have been that close to. We've got our vulnerabilities, you know, we've been daft in a room together. That then leads on a little bit. So there was a time when I was extremely anxious and I hadn't realized that that was what was happening to me, but there was a, a period where I just felt absolutely dreadful. And through going to see counseling, the counsellor, I'm drawing a circle in the air here for the podcast listeners, the counsellor showed me a wheel of life that is a circle with lots of bits of pie in that, that are relevant to various parts of your life and things like the children and finances and work and doing stuff for other people, they were all full. The piece of pie that is something for yourself, just doing something for fun for yourself, nothing. I couldn't put anything in there. So I had a cry again. And it was through looking for something that I wanted to do, again, looking at the performing arts side of things, that I discovered there wasn't anything that was pressure-free. I wanted to be able to go to class, muck around doing some drama or singing or dancing or something, and then leave again and not have to think about it, not learn any lines or buy costume or go to rehearsals or put on an actual show. I just wanted the fun bit of it, the rehearsal bit of it, without the stress of the show bit. And because I couldn't find that, I basically looked for local actors and vocal coaches and they came and hosted the classes for me. So that's where Open Stage Arts started. That meant through meeting people at that class and also through going out to networking events, which was a revelation to me. I thought, I'm not a people person. Um, this is going to be terrible for me. Love it. Love people. <laughs> Realised children had grown up and I wasn't going to baby groups. That had actually been quite lonely. Yeah. Working freelance from home. What I mean is I was also meeting people when I was explaining what Open Stage Arts was about. They were saying, oh, yeah, I used to love doing this activity. Mm -hmm. I used to love painting. But since I've been out and got a proper job, I don't do it anymore. I'd love to get back to it. So this is what's obviously percolating in my brain generally without any definite source, without any definite endpoint as yet until lockdown. So the podcast is a lockdown baby, but I'm still here and I'm loving it more than ever. So when we went into lockdown, couldn't do the open stage arts classes and somebody said to me, oh, you've got a lot of content ideas. 
And that's just where this idea came from. Started to learn the tech, knew absolutely nothing about how to do it, about your hosting and your recording. And But it's, it's not terribly difficult to learn, I don't think. And that's how I started the show, with local people. And then from there... The show itself has grown. So it's through meeting, as you were saying to me before we recorded, meeting the people that you meet when you're recording mm-hmm. is just an absolute joy and hearing their stories and then being able to tell their stories as well. So that's the people bit of it as well that I never realised I needed until until it happened. And then I realised this is great. <laughs> I love the fact that I think often people don't have a switching moment. It's a series of different events or situations that connect up Mm. but you didn't realize at the time that that was what was going to happen it just was a natural extension of what you were doing before so you've not gone back to doing the open stage art because this has now taken over your life or no no it's not for that reason but I have to be brutally honest it was really hard Mm -hmm. to get back to it one of my experiences was that some of these poor actors who have not been able to act went out into the world and got other jobs in inverted commas proper jobs so they weren't as available as they had been before when they were able to teach for me while going to auditions and rehearsing and things like that I did start to really struggle with teachers and there was not consistency with clients either not clients you know what I mean students and I just decided it was too much like hard work which sounds mean and flippant but it wasn't I was putting a lot more work into it than was than was coming back out of it I mean I loved doing the classes if somebody else were to do what I'm doing I would go to those classes yeah I think some things are meant to be at a moment in time and COVID had a big impact for lots of different reasons but one of them was people did the other switch they switched away from their creativity because they had to because they had some kind of income and they weren't going yeah. to get through performing. Hopefully, it is swinging back the other way a little bit. But I think it's changed the way we all think about how we spend our time, definitely. And, you know, you're not a martyr. You don't have to do things just because you started out and carry on doing them forever and ever. And it was the same when I changed the podcast episodes. They used to be once a week, now they're once a fortnight. It was that realisation that you can do what you want, Claire. It's yeah. <laughs> your thing, yeah. you can do what you want. Yeah. So, yeah. It was best to call it a day and I still have some lovely friends who were students at Open Stage Arts and a couple of us have been getting together recently to read scripts together for for fun. Fun. So I still get a bit of that. Brilliant. (laughs) So, okay, can you tell me a little bit more about, I mean, obviously the show really took off. It's turned into something bigger than the original idea. So talk to me about the membership and how that works who it's for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of hasn't, it hasn't quite worked out as I had intended. And that's not a bad thing, but things have developed. So in 2021, I wasn't editing any books. So it was at that period because there'd been no book fairs during 2020. So there was no work to do, paid work to do. So I spent a lot of time on the podcast in that year and it was brilliant. I was doing episodes every week lovely, really, really enjoying it, thinking, okay, how can I keep doing this and maybe actually make a bit of money for my time that I'm spending doing it? The costs of putting on a podcast are not massive, but then you put your time on it. It, You'll know it's a lot of time. It's an enjoyable time, don't get me wrong, but it still is a lot of time and it would be nice to earn some money from that. So then I thought, oh, I'll 
make another thing. Oh, create another thing, Claire. Give yourself more work to do, obviously. So the idea was, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I really like what that person said. I wish I could do that. I wish I was brave enough to do that. I wish I was confident. I wish I knew where to go to do that. That's where I wanted the next step to be. So I wanted listeners to be able to then connect with creativity found further by actually doing it for themselves. And the way I was going to do that was have a website of independent businesses who teach craft, art, whatever it may be. So it's not a website that you can go and buy things in. You're not buying products, you're buying activities. And the way I decided to go about it was to approach lots of the wonderful businesses I'd seen online and say, would you like to be a part of this? A few of them to begin with were actually podcast guests anyway. So we'd already met, we already knew about each other. So approaching those small businesses come and have a page on this website that links back to your links. So it all goes back to you. So anybody booking, it goes back to that actual initial person. It's not coming through me. I'm just there as a channel. I'll advertise the website in my podcast episodes every single time. I might talk about special stuff. There's a homepage with lots of lovely pictures of what you do. We'll support each other on social media. And then we will also treat it as a networking membership. So as you know, I fell in love with networking <laughs> completely unexpectedly. And the artists and crafters were like me thinking at times, oh, I'm the only one going through this. Oh, I feel all alone. Oh, I don't know what to do. So I wanted us to be able to get together and chat about these things. So we have monthly meetups and sometimes it will be I will source a speaker if my members have said, I want to learn a bit more about this. And sometimes like today, it'll just be a chat. What's going on? How are you feeling? So we're there to support each other, cheerleader, giving a bit of a boost, sharing our experiences. So socializing people, getting together, lovely. What I also introduced was something that helps the partners of arty farty people if their partners aren't quite as arty farty as they are we will go if there is an activity I want to go to or an event I want to go to I'll put it out there and see if any of the other members want to go that way my husband he doesn't have to come with me and pretend he enjoys it so we started doing these actual get-togethers in real life as well so if anybody wants to go to a show wants to go with someone that's going to enjoy it then put it on the Creativity Found members chat group. So it's that promotional networking. Anybody, anywhere can come to the website and look for something to do. And then in the background are those people doing those things to do. But then I also wind it a little bit because guests and business owners will say, I'm doing so much of the marketing admin, blah, blah. I'm not doing enough of my actual arting and crafting. So on the website now and in the membership, we have people that can help with those businessy tasks. They don't have to cost the earth. I think this might be a myth that, you know, if you want someone to design something, they're going to design this whole package. No, you can get people that can teach you to design it or they can design just one thing. They can work for you an hour a month or just as a one-off job. It's melded into a number of different things, but it's all helping creative small businesses and anyone that wants to do a creative thing. And they might be rubbish at it. And that's absolutely fine. We don't care. <laughs> so it's become a community of people 
But you're getting something out of that as well. Yes, yes, completely. And I, I was at a podcast event last night and somebody says about this and I think, oh, you should talk to this person exactly as they said, because your podcasts are similar and you could get together. And I don't know where that comes from, but I do like to help people out, be there. You know, if somebody puts on an event and all I have to do is turn up, then why wouldn't I turn up and support them? I don't remember being like that as a child or anything, or even as a teenager. don't know. Do you think maybe you are an observer of life and that's how you pick up and remember what people are about and what matters to them and that's that sticks yeah. in your brain? Yeah, there's a do-as-you-would-be-done-by kind of mentality, isn't it? And I do think that not everybody sees that. But yes, my husband is the same as well. We're very aware of what other people need and maybe if somebody has invited us out, then we should invite them out in return. Just like being aware of how other people feel, definitely being aware of how other people feel or how you would feel if that was you. So yeah, there was a big bit of empathy. And I think that wasn't very good when I was quite anxious. And I think one of the symptoms of anxiety is that I'm just worrying that I've hurt someone's feelings or yeah, that got a bit too bad at one point. Yeah, definitely. I think it is people pleasing even though you're helping them, you want them to feel good mm. and you hope that they will remember that you were the one that made them feel good. doesn't mm. always happen. No. <laughs> Quite often doesn't. But I, think, <laughs> but I think sometimes, I think I've come to realise this, actually that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because mm. they need it, because we have the information and we've done something good and the rest of it doesn't really matter. I think if you own that connection yourself, once you've introduced two people, you're not really part of that. So I think it's it's much better just to enable and then let them move on and whatever they've got to do. I've learned it's better to do it that way because otherwise you have resentment if you don't feel that they're very grateful to you. So what does podcasting, what does Creativity Found do for you, do you think? Because obviously you're doing this for lots of other people. What does it do for you? don't know. <laughs> Stop asking difficult questions, Nikki. That's my job. I'm usually the host asking other people. <laughs> I want to know because I'll tell you why. I'll make it easier for you. When people are listening and they're scared of using their creativity, and some of it might be the same creativity that you've got. They might want to be, they've got an entrepreneurial idea they want to do something with, and they're scared of taking that first step or they've got this creative skill that they've sat on and they were told they weren't good enough at it, but actually they just want to do it for themselves. But there are lots of benefits that come with creativity that aren't about the world. They're not about business. They're about doing something for the sake of it. As when you were talking about your wheel of life, that Mm. slice, filling that slice up for yourself is really important. And I think being aware of what makes you tick and what is good for you is really good so you mm. clearly are passionate about this you clearly enjoy it but do you what is it it gives you it must give you something for you to want to carry on doing it yeah I mean it's probably putting our connections together the performance element of it that I've always yeah. loved performing even though I don't see an audience but I'm putting out a show I think growing as well I think growing 
learning, developing, keeping up to date with a very changing medium of entertainment. I do like being on top of that, being maybe a step ahead, being aware of the way podcasting is going. I do like to have a little moan about celebrity podcasts and (laughs) big production companies. But it's like dance. It's very difficult to explain. Dance makes me happy. Mm. When I'm sitting on a bus with my laptop open, editing audio on GarageBand, that makes me happy. And it does connect very well with editing a book in the complete Mm. product that you make and that that complete product follows an order that makes sense and the listener is going to effortlessly listen to and not have to work hard to untangle. Mm -hmm. And I always say about editing text and audio, it's what you take out that nobody knows that makes what's left in sparkle and be wonderful. It's like I should have a dustbin with all the things I've taken out. And I'm like, look, look, this is all the work I did. (laughs) So I think it just makes me happy and fulfilled, definitely fulfilled. And it is my own. So it is absolutely my own. And I'm very capable of going out on my own to promote this, to push this, to go and talk to people and say, this is me. This is my completely my creation, which I guess is what a lot of people would feel when they're putting something on paper, whether it's writing yeah. writing it or painting it or creating with your hands. Yeah. See, now I often do this with my guests and they're like, oh, I've had a revelation and now you've done it with me, Nikki. <laughs> That's good. I do this for me and for my guests as well. <laughs> Brilliant. So the people who are listening, how do you find that separation, because obviously the conversation we're having with a guest is there. It's tangible. We're seeing them. We're speaking to them. The listeners are one step removed from that, but we want to know what they think. Do you hear from them? Do they know? Is it a bit sort of a myth? It is an odd world and lots of other podcasters say it. And we can try various ways to get closer and communicate more directly with listeners. A while ago, I put a survey on my show and I had two specific questions and I got a couple of responses. Now, you know that people are listening because there are numbers on your podcasting host. You know, you've got your your stats of download numbers, so you know there are people out there listening, but no, you don't know. Social media does help with that. I have a few, so I have a Facebook group for Creativity Found and also the page, but also Instagram. And when you do start getting comments there, that does really help because you're thinking, okay, these are real people that do know me, even if it's from listening to the show. And every time I go to an event and I explain what my show is about, people say, oh, that's such a good idea. That's brilliant, which gives you a very good boost, yeah. obviously. think, Okay, this is a good idea. But it's still, it's still not getting out there mm. as, as far as you think it is. Mm. I don't mind. I do not have a problem with not knowing my listeners but I, it is good to know that people like what you do and think it's of value. Yeah. 
lovely. I mean, if you're a listener, please do comment, talk to me. You know, anybody can message me. I've got all my contact details everywhere. It is yeah. nice to hear. It's not the end of the world to not, but no. it would be lovely to hear yeah. more. Well, one of, one of the reasons I'm guessing would be useful is you want to know who they want to hear from as well. No, no, no. no, no. Too much control. No, no, no. You listen to who I think you should listen to. <laughs> Fair enough. I haven't got anywhere near the numbers yet. I've got I've got more people who I want to talk to than I could probably interview for the next however many years. So I don't yeah. need people to suggest people. But I guess if you're, I don't know, the bigger you get, are you going to get to a point where you say, this matters, the control of it being mine matters more to me than a massive audience that I still can't really know who they are because it, it's not the medium where you're going to get that impact it's not a two-way thing. Does it matter to you more that you retain control of the whole show or that it reaches wider? Because obviously you might get to a tipping point where you say, well, I could maybe afford to have a production company do this for me or have a whole team behind me like Stephen Butler does. And then he Mm -hmm. goes, "Mm, who do we want to hear from? And then it becomes a little bit like Graham Norton. Obviously they seek out guests, but some people will approach Graham Norton. Some publicists would say, oh, we've got a new book coming out. Can we go on your show in the bit mm. before now and Christmas? So yeah. there's a sort of an element of control, which I think is a creative freedom, which mm. I am thinking I'm going to want to retain. But you're ahead oh, of yeah. me in the game. So yeah. how do you feel about that? Um, no, I don't think ahead of you, time-wise, yeah. everything, but that doesn't change necessarily our positions in the podcasting world for example I'm certainly nowhere near employing a production team or anything like that and it's the IP which is something else people have been talking about a lot recently I had to look up what it meant what does it mean the intellectual property that's it yeah Yeah. the idea the IP and that maybe you know somebody not with my show particular but other shows and Netflix comes along and says we want to do a TV show of it and then you do hand it over and you're handing over your IP it's like handing over a bit of you and I do have prospective guests approaching me that have no relevance to the show whatsoever and if there was the biggest star in the world to come at me but they don't have a creativity found story then I would have no reason to Mm. put them on the show it is that content that is good. You do get publicists and people wanting to yeah, sell their books or sell their coaching program that want to come on. So I haven't thought, along with our thread in this conversation of how things develop organically and not quite how you planned them, I wouldn't have thought about that happening. I would like to be able to spend all my time making a podcast and be paid for it and I still do the work because I like doing the work Mm. so then that would be more my thing actually before I would hire somebody else yeah I think I'm coming to that conclusion but interesting well I want to know what's the next little ideation that's going on in that whirring around in that brain of yours as to what you might do next well I just want to keep Growing the podcast, really, I'm going to Orlando to PodFest. I haven't flown on my own since before the children, so that's quite daunting. Yeah, so I'm kind of thinking about the ways to push it, the ways to keep growing Creativity Found and make it heard. 
And I have got guests lined up till May 2024 currently. I don't need to go and look for the guests. They come and find me. And as I said, some of them get short thrift. <laughs> the ones that, sometimes I get messages. I was like, well done. You've listened to the show. You get the concept. Well done. <laughs> so, yeah, really no concrete plans other than to try and get bigger by yeah. whatever means, connecting with other podcasters. And I'm not saying that other podcasters are a key to growing your show, but making other connections that may then lead on to other yeah. connections and just to be recognized about the place. Mm. Well, I think that's a great ambition. And Thank also you. nice and loose in some ways, because that's how things have worked for you in the past, mm-hmm. following your nose and seeing what happens. Yeah. It's actually worked out pretty well for you. Yeah, I know. Completely surprising. <laughs> And clearly makes you very happy, which is which one of the smiliest guests I've had, I have to say. Where can people find you? You mentioned there's links everywhere, and we will obviously yeah. put them in the show notes, but where would you predominantly be spending your time if you were online? If you want to actually like see me as a person, then Instagram is my preferred social media, and it's Creativity Found Podcast. So there's lots of stuff on there. Some of it is about my guests. Some of it is about me. Some of it's about my journey, that kind of thing. I like to be there as a real person because I am a real person, not just a voice behind a microphone. If Facebook is your preferred thing, again, Creativity Found Podcast. And there is a group, Creativity Found, which is a lovely place for connecting with other people that might share your creative passions. And then the website is creativityfound.co.uk. That links to various pages. The podcast episodes are linked on on that website as well. But of course, you can find the podcast on Apple or Spotify. I've been looking into podcasting 2.0, which is a very exciting new thing. So I'm using an app called Fountain to listen to my podcast at the moment. And you can earn sats, which is Bitcoin, but don't make that be frightening, just by listening to shows on that app. So maybe if you're thinking about podcasting 2.0, have a little look at that one. So creativity found, that's all you need to remember. Excellent. (laughs) It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. It's been really inspirational, wonderful conversation and a lovely connection. So we now have more people in our network. Brilliant. No, thank you very much. It has been really super enjoyable and a bit depthy as well. You've been delving deep into my psyche. (laughs) That's one of my USPs. Thank you. Take care and speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye. What a fun and enlightening conversation that was. And what great lessons we can all learn from Claire in what can happen if you take an idea and run with it. Now, it's Creative Adventures time, and I promised to share some advice from Tessa Richter on how to find your creative direction. When I spoke to Tessa back in season one, she talked about how she helped one of her coaching clients to find a way to use her creative talent to make an impact. Together, they explored what mattered most to this artist, who was technically already proficient, but not really sure where she was going with her art. It turned out that she wanted to focus her energies on children. She channeled her creativity in this direction and everything else fell into place. As Tessa says, if we connect what we do to our purpose, we tap into a vast energy reservoir and possibilities, and that will trigger our potential. In a similar way, back in late 2021, I started working with a brand consultant 
to try to pull together all the separate parts of my business and communicate them clearly. I knew I wanted to continue writing more novels. I was supporting other creative writers through my coaching business and also enjoying the opportunity to speak about my writing journey at book clubs and writing festivals. Taking a step back, I realised how important creativity in the broadest sense had been to me throughout my life. The difference it had made when I had reconnected with it to write my first novel and how I wanted to inspire as many people as possible to connect with theirs. I also realised through talking to a bunch of fellow entrepreneurs that I needed to shift my focus to make more time for my own creativity and that there might be a way, another way to achieve both aims. Rather than supporting people through my coaching on a one-to-one basis, which is time limited, like everyone, I only have so many hours in the day, I saw a way to impact more people whilst giving myself back some time. I set out to become a creative crusader, championing my own creativity whilst encouraging others to do the same. That's how this podcast was born. Using my interviewing skills from my recruitment career, my love of performing and my curiosity in understanding people and what makes them tick allows me to reach more people with a show that I love creating. And because I decided to record in seasons, I can put my creative energies into other projects in between. Like Claire, I am a solo podcaster, which does mean lots of time and energy goes into making every episode as good as I can make it, both in terms of production and content. But because I'm channeling my creativity into something I really believe in, it opens up all sorts of exciting possibilities and gives me more inspiration to put back into my creative career. And if a podcast is a creative adventure you'd like to begin, check out the links for Alitu, my podcast recording and editing software, and Captivate, my podcast hosting software. I really couldn't do it without these great, easy-to-use tools. Are you trying to find your creative direction or exploring ways to combine what matters to you with your creative talent? Do tell us about your experiences in the Creative Switch community. I'd love to hear about your creative adventures. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Creative Switch. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review over on podchaser.com. And if you've got any questions, please let me know on Instagram at Nikki underscore Valance. I do hope you join me next time. And my guest, corporate trainer turned actor, Martin Spendlove, and find out what happened when he asked himself the question, are you really doing what you should be doing? And remember, why survive when you can thrive?